Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God, humbling ourselves before the Lord. In uh, the book of Psalms 35 and verse 13 here, King David is revealing to us some things about fasting and prayer. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into my own bosom. Notice how he humbled his soul. With what? Fasting. He knew that fasting was a means chosen by God for us to humble ourselves before him. God chose that. We didn't choose it. He did. As a matter of fact, he knew and understood that fasting was a way for us to overcome personal pride. And of course, pride is not a good thing. So you could say almost the primary purpose of fasting is for us to overcome pride. Something that is very offensive to God. And number one, pride is detestable to God. Detestable to God. He just can't tolerate it. Why? Well, first of all, look at Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. Pride is something that God considers evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth. Do I hate? That's some pretty strong terminology, wouldn't you say? It's evil. He hates it. Pride, arrogancy, the evil way. The evil way is man's way apart from God's way as if we know more than God or we're better than God. So as far as he is concerned, pride is evil. It is evil in his sight. It's offensive to him. It exalts the way of man above the way of God. And there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is a way of death. Secondly, it is also destructive to man. Pride is destructive to man. Proverbs 16 and verse 18 makes that very clear. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So it's destructive to man. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 13, in the NIV version of verse 17, look what it says. If you do not listen, I will weep in secret because of your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly overflowing with tears because the Lord's flock will be what? Taken captive. So pride can lead one into captivity. And then also, pride deceives. Pride deceives. Notice in Jeremiah 49. In verse 13, or 16, the terror you inspire and the pride of your heart have deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rocks, who occupy the heights of the hill, though you build your nest as high as the eagles, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. So notice what he's saying to us, to everyone. We have no room for pride. It is evil. It's satanic. It's not of God. It's destructive. And God hates it. 
Who, in other words, do we think we are that we know more than God? We don't. And we can never know more than God. So, it's important that we realize that through fasting and waiting on God, we can deal with our own personal pride in a positive way. God can reveal to us through the light of his scrutiny some areas where maybe we're caught up in pride. And he wants those things dealt with and removed from our lives. Number three, pride and gluttony are companions. You knew we were going to get to that place. Pride and gluttony are companions. Hmm. All right, let's see what he means by that. Look at Ezekiel 16 and verse 49. Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. Now it goes on to say they did detestable things, and we know that the true sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the reason why they were destroyed and consumed by fire, which is even a wasteland even today, is because of the sin of homosexuality. And what that reveals to us is God's general attitude towards sin and specific attitude towards homosexuality. And you know what? No matter what anyone says today, you're not going to change the word of God. That's his position on it, period. But it wasn't the only sin. They were caught up in pride and arrogance before the Lord. They would not heed or listen to his counsel. And since I know the heart of God and know that mercy always precedes judgment, you had to know that God would probably warn them time and time again about judgment going to fall upon them. But yet they refused to listen. Why? Because of pride and being arrogant and wanting to do things their way, to live their life the way they wanted to. And as a result, of course, that led to their destruction. And then in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, beginning at verse 11. If you recall, he brought them out to the wilderness to truly humble them. Now remember, that was how in the beginning that God humbled them. But from that point on, it's up to us to humble ourselves. We're going to see that in just a moment. And he told them, I brought you out to humble you and let you know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat, and are satisfied when you build fine houses and settle down and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied then your heart will become what? Proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. It's almost as if they would think at some point, well, we did this on our own. And you might think that that's impossible. But when every generation goes by, what happens? You lose a little bit more. You lose a little bit more. You lose a little bit more. And before you know it, some years down the road, uh, th that generation doesn't even consider that God was the one that gave them the power to get the wealth. But the point he's trying to make here is that when you get to a place where your stomach is full and you've got some money in the bank account, you've got yourself a nice house and maybe a, a vineyard or something like that, then you forget God. You leave God out of the equation. Why? Because you're so satisfied with everyday living. Well, in the book of Hosea chapter 13, and look at verse 6, you'll find that exactly what they did was exactly what God said not to do. But when you had eaten and were satisfied, you became proud and forgot me. You know, that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. See, there was no time for God then. There was no room for God then because, you see, they had everything that they wanted and everything that they needed. You see why in this 
United States of America in which we live when we have everything at our fingertips it's very easy for us to very subtly give place to pride and forget where we've come from and how much God has really done for us and why we have the blessings that we have why we enjoy the benefits that we have but you know slowly little by little we can see things being changed in our country because Christians have sat back and done nothing we've allowed people to be voted in that are liberals and they turn away from God they don't want God in our conscience any longer they want to remove God out of our consciousness here in the United States of America and we've played right into it as a matter of fact you talk about being deceived even many Christians don't even realize the platform that they're living in right now and on it's not a matter of political party preference it's a matter of getting God back on the scene in this country once again and he'll use whoever, whomever but it's up to us to see to it that we wait on God and do our part and humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from things that displease him wicked ways that he can hear from heaven forgive and heal but they ate, they were satisfied, they became proud now notice this humbling ourselves is our responsibility not God's it's our responsibility three witnesses we're going to give you here this evening that will testify and confirm to the fact that it's our responsibility to humble ourselves before God and if we don't do it then it won't be done and if we don't do it then we're probably in areas of our lives caught up in pride number one in the book of Matthew you'll notice in the book of Matthew we have the first one whosoever therefore shall humble himself notice it didn't say whosoever God will humble but shall what? humble himself as this little child the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven then Matthew 23 and verse 12 whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted then in the book of James chapter 4 and verse 10 humble yourselves in the sight of God or of the Lord and what will happen he will lift you up what's this have to do with fasting everything in the world to fast means to humble yourself to afflict to mourn to deny yourself something so you can have something better okay and then in 1st Peter chapter 5 he's our third witness notice beginning at verse 7 likewise or 5 and 6 likewise you younger submit yourselves to the elder yea all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility or be dressed with humility are you putting your cloak of humility on every morning for God what resists the proud and gives grace to the humble so humble yourselves notice God's not going to do this therefore under the mighty hand of God that you that he may exalt you in due time so it's up to the individual to humble himself or herself and you know what if you just miss one meal that is an act of humility where you're getting before God and you're saying to the Lord you're saying you're more important than me satisfying my physical hunger pains right now I want to hear something from you I want to know something from you 
I've got a child out there that maybe has gone wayward. What do I need to do? I want to hear from you. There's all kind of plans out there that people have, but you know the exact plan. You know how to reach that heart. You know how to touch that life by the power of your Holy Spirit. How can I help? How can I be a part of that? You know what the Bible says in Isaiah 58, and it talks about the perfect fast, God's chosen fast to loose the bands of wickedness and do the heavy burden let the oppressed go free and break every yoke you know really he's talking about the person fasting as well to loose the bands of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens man get that stuff off of me I don't want that mindset I don't want doubt I don't want unbelief I don't want to be bound by anything that's going to snuff out my faith and so I'm rising every single day we're bombarded with thoughts and of doubt and unbelief and tempted to give up in our whatever we're believing God for see a time of just a even one meal like I said and you wait on God just get into his presence and say okay here I am show me the way and we're going to see that here in just a moment Uh, the Ezra fast the Ezra fast notice in his Ezra chapter 8 beginning of verse 21 this is the New Living Translation the Ezra fast and there by the Ahava or Ahava canal I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God we prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us our children and our goods as we traveled for I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way after all we had told the king our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him so we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us and he heard our prayer here's what we have to see this was the second group that were being led out from Babylon and they were going into Jerusalem the trip as the crow flies is 500 miles straight across but they couldn't take that route they had to take the route around the river Euphrates that made the trip 900 miles long imagine 900 miles long but also you will notice that they took with them silver gold etc all the things that they had earned in their living when they were in Babylon and plus what they were given to go and build a temple and all that some had gone before them but this group right here if you go back then you'll find out that it's probably over 4.3 million dollars you put that in today's market it's 150 some million dollars they were taking they were bringing along with them from Babylon to Jerusalem on a 900 mile trek now Ezra already told the king he was boasting on his God and said that God honors those who serve him so he said I can't go to the king and ask him for soldiers to guard us along the way because I know the way is an awful way it's a wicked way there are thieves and robbers and thugs and muggers all around and 900 miles we've got to go he said so you know what we need to fast and pray look to God and believe 
So in other words, we're not taking one step until we know that we know that God is our protector. He is our deliverer. He will help us. And so here we see Ezra, a priest, a scribe, waiting in the presence of God with the others and calling everybody together and say, look, this is how it is. We need to have the mind of God. And see, this is what fasting is all about. It's not all about us seeing how long we can go before we collapse without food. <laughs> That's not what it is. It's to get in tune with God. That's all. Don't set yourself a goal like I'm going to fast 40 days and 40 nights. Go ahead. You could be with Moses and Elijah and Jesus if you want to. God, I don't think, unless he tells you to fast 40 days and 40 nights, forget it. I remember Brother Hagin saying, he used to fast maybe once or twice a week. He said, never fasted more than three days at a time. He said, because it's only to position yourself to receive from God anyhow. And once you get your answer, and what he was basically saying was, if you're that hard-headed as you can't hear after three days, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> you know. He said, but then finally he told him, just live a fasted life. You know, miss a meal here and there. Don't eat always as much as you want. Stay in tune with God to get his mind. And that's exactly what Ezra was doing. And once he had the assurance that God's going before us and that God was act actively involved in this whole scenario, that was it. Who would you rather have? All the soldiers of the Babylonian army or God Almighty protecting you right by your side? You see, to get to that place sometimes we just need another little gentle push. I know you've got faith, but you know our faith can be finely tuned. And if we're honest with God, we need to check our hearts and just say, am I just copying someone else? Or is that really faith that's coming out of my heart? There was a preacher, and he was ministering at a pastor's church, and this was in a, another nation. And he said, at five o'clock in the morning, he was staying at the pastor's house. He heard the phone ringing. 20 times, 30 times. He finally just said, this is ridiculous. He got up, got himself to the kitchen, went over to the phone and, and said to himself, if they're not going to pick it up, I'm going to pick it up. This is annoying. He picks it up and listens and it's still ringing. He said, it kept on ringing. Then I realized it's not coming from here. It's coming from there. And he looked over, he put the phone down, he looked over there, went over to where there was a sheet and pulled it up and he saw an African parrot. And it kept ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. Turned around and went back to bed. It sounded so real, but it wasn't. It was just a parrot parroting this noise that it heard. And you know, when it comes to walking in faith, that's exactly what happens. Are we parroting somebody else? Are we taking the time to wait on God? to see to it that it's a truth that we believe, know, and embrace from the heart. And then we say it with the mouth. Praise God. It's a reality. See, God wants us to rise up and use, praise God, our authority to enforce His will upon the earth. And that's what this whole time of fasting and prayer has been all about. And I believe as we saw Sunday morning as the power of God began to move in this place, 
This is our longing desire. You know, my, my desire is not to conform what's taking place in the church world today. Got to have the smoke. Got to have the mirrors. Got to have the, we talked about God having to have the high energy concerts and all that sort of thing. Where's the true reverential worship of the living God where you exalt and magnify his holy name from hearts that are so in love with him, so in tune with him, so longing to have him manifest and show up. I'd rather have Jesus walk through these pews I'd rather him walk up and down this, these aisles. I'd rather have the Holy Ghost, praise God, manifest himself among us than anything else. That's why we're here. That's why we're, we've come. And you know what? It's beginning with us. It begins with individuals, all of us, really showing God this is what our desire is. And let it spread throughout our nation. Amen? This is something that Asa should have done, and we'll close with this. Ezra could have... Uh, done two things. He could have asked for the help of man or looked to God. And what did he do? He looked to God. And what did God do? Protected him. And all his four and a half million dollars all the way to Jerusalem. Ezra called for a fast look to God for direction and God gave him that direction and he succeeded. But Asa wasn't the same way. Look at Second Chronicles chapter um, 14 beginning at verse 9. Once in Ethiopian named Zerah, attacked Judah with an army of one million men and 300 chariots. That's a pretty good crowd, wouldn't you say? Can you even imagine viewing that? Uh, one million men and 300 chariots? They advanced to the town of Marisha, and Asa deployed his armies for battle in the valley north of Marisha. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord! No one but you can help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you alone. It is your name that we have come against this vast horde. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere men prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians in the presence of Asa, the army of Judah, and the enemy fled. In the beginning of his reign, Asa was known to be faithful and a king of integrity. But as time went on, here's what happens. You know, very subtly, pride can set in. And we could start thinking that, oh, I'm responsible for all this, and now I've got to do it my way. You see, there's God's way and there's man's way. But look at the 16th chapter of the same, Second Chronicles chapter 16, beginning at verse 7. Another time now when they're going to be attacked. And at that time, Hanani the seer came to King Asa and told him because you have put your trust in the king of Aram or Syria instead of the Lord your God you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians and Libyans and their vast army with all their chariots and charioteers at that time you relied on the Lord and he handed them over to you the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a fool you have been. From now on you will be at war. Asa became so angry with Hanani for saying this that he threw him into the prison and put him in stocks. Instead of humbling himself praying and seeking the face of God he becomes angry now. At that time Asa also began to oppress some of his people. What makes a person go from where he was to where he is now? Suddenly over the years this transpired. 
The rest of the events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Yet even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. So he died in the 41st year of his reign. Instead of humbling himself through fasting, showing a contrite heart and spirit and looking out to God and just saying, oh my goodness, what have I done? What have I allowed in my own life? A million came against me. And what did he say? He said, God's bigger. I'm looking to you. Now these are not that many. What does he do? He uses his money, actually the Lord's money, develop a pact so that he would not be destroyed. He looks to the arm of the flesh and not the arm of God. You know it's easy in the natural world that we live in to do that. When you face circumstances and situations that are adverse, it's easy for us to cave in under the pressure of the circumstances. But you know what God wants us to do? If need be, take a moment, miss a meal, get before God and just say, here I am. I'm not moving. I want to hear from heaven. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your mind. I want to know what you want me to do in this given situation. And so here I present myself to you. Open up my heart, my mind, my life. Show me if I've got to change something, whatever I have to do. But Lord, I want your intervention. It's greater than anything a man can possibly do. Asa should have done that the second time around. But you notice how it went from being protected from the enemy physically, the armies. Now it's disease in his feet. Look at how it just transitions and moves over to another area of his life. Now he won't even believe God for his healing. And he dies. How sad. What a sad scenario. But the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. And he does want to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are pure and upright before him. And so beloved, as we've come here tonight, I'm believing the best thing we can do for our country, the best thing we can do for our church, and the best thing that we can do for our families and ourselves as individuals, just to say we're here, Lord. Our eyes are upon you. We're on you. We're here humbling ourselves before you and praying, seeking your face and turning from the things you say, get that out of your life, that you would hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and bring healing to our land. I want to say something that the Lord said. Thus saith the Lord, out of my heart, with my mouth, knowing that you spoke that to me. Do you see what I mean? I'm not parroting it. I'm believing the word belongs to me. And the only way we can get that deep into our souls is taking some time to meditate, wait upon the Lord, and just digest it. Get a hold of it. Make it yours. Praise God. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. 
With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.